speak while Kelly is gone also. I will either going to have prayer meeting or I'm going to do a little teaching for the day evening. Not sure yet which way it's going to go, but this week is going to be prayer. But as I was going through this and listening and Kelly is facilitating this course and teaching the different things, it has amazed me time and again how the Spirit of God has been laying the same things on my heart as what we're going through. Today was really no exception. What I've, today is a message that I have swiped from Kenneth Copeland. It was a prophecy that he sent out at the beginning of the year. And he spot, brought some teaching along with it. And as I was going through it again, I thought, you know, this is really what we need to focus on at this time. So I'm going to be sharing it. If you say, well, I've read that or heard that, that's good. Then you know that it's where it's coming from. If it's something new, then that's good because the Spirit is bringing fresh life to something that's already happened. And what we're calling it is three ways to reap in the year of abundant harvest. Three ways to reap in the year of abundant harvest. So Kenneth Copeland had a prophecy at the beginning of the year about this being a year of abundant harvest. Now there's different prophets that spoke the same thing. They said it's a time of double blessing, the double portion, the double doors, the abundance, there's the overflow. That this is a year where God wants to set the church up to come to the place of being ahead only and not beneath, or above only and not beneath. But as he shared the prophecy, he also gave three ways that we could reap to start bringing that harvest into our lives. If you want to reap, or if you are ready to reap an abundant harvest in your finances, your health, your family, or anything else this year, then we're going to have to take a hold of the word of the Lord and take part in our harvest. I want to explain some of the things this morning about the difference about people that are sowing and people that are harvesting. Sometimes we leave the harvest and we forget that harvest also is work. If we look around, it is fairly obvious that the body of Christ needs an abundant harvest to do the work of the Lord, to live out his promises, and to bring his word to a hurting world. So hopefully we have matured to the point in our Christian walk where it's not just about us trying to get more stuff, but where we can be focused on the kingdom. You know, some people have really knocked the prosperity message. They say, oh, let's just, you know, get me, get me the grab-and-go gospel, whatever they call it, different things. And they've really knocked this fact, saying, well, you know, you're giving to get, and you're doing, you best be giving to get. If not, you need your head examined. Every farmer goes out in spring, and he puts uh, seed in the soil because he is expecting a harvest a number of months later. Now, Paul writes to the church, and he talks about this. He says, if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. You should be giving to get. But if your motive is just so you can build yourself up, you've got a problem. You are giving to get so that you're going to have more to give. It's the concept. It's not just to try and see how big a bank account you can build or how big a house you can build or how much money you can put in the bank. In fact, we have the story in the Bible where Jesus talked about the man. He says his harvest came in. He did, his barns were overflowing. He didn't have enough. He says, okay, I'm going to build new barns. I'm going to store all. And I'm going to say, take it easy. And God looked at him and said, oh, you fool. You don't know that tonight your soul is going to be required of you. So he was entering heaven with everything stored up on this earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt it, when really what the Bible teaches us is that we need to have so that we can give. 
If we are to meet the needs of this world, you may have found out that there is costs involved in this world. You cannot just write your hydro company, although I know somebody that did. You cannot just write your power company and say, the Lord will provide all of my needs and hope that they back off. They want money. You cannot just go to a restaurant and order a meal and finish your meal and say, well, I believe that God wants you to give this to me. It doesn't work that way. It takes money to run this world. It takes money to live in this world. Your bank is not happy with saying, well, I'm praying for you. They expect a check, especially if they have a mortgage on your house. It takes money. It takes money to preach the gospel. You want to send Bibles to other nations. Bibles are not free. What's in them is free, but the Bible itself isn't free. If you don't believe me, go down to the Bible bookshop and try to walk out with one. No, don't. <laughs> My pastor said I could just come take one. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll correct that. But if you don't have one, you need one, come to the church. We will supply one for you. (laughs) It takes money to put the gospel on TV. It takes money to put the gospel on the radio. It takes money to to print gospel books or literature. It takes money even to print those little tracts that are going to cost you $1.25 if you want to buy them and hand them out. But it takes money to run in this world. And so often, we as Christians, and I hear Christians make this comment, well, I don't need any extra. As long as I have enough to meet my needs, I'm happy. You are some of the most selfish people I have ever met. If you are living only for yourself, how selfish can you be? Start looking and saying, where can I bless others? How can you bless others if you're just barely scraping by yourself? So we need to learn to get into the flow of the kingdom so we can start giving, so that we can start getting, so that we can start giving. You know, World Vision has been doing it for years. Victory Churches has been doing it for years. Support a child in another part of the world. How do you support a child when you can't support yourself? Especially if that child is another nation. Although, as I've said before, if we could support a kid for $3 a day or whatever, a dollar a day in another country, I should have sent my kids there years ago. <laughs> I couldn't do it for a dollar a day here. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> but so often we get so focused only on me. I want, I want, I want. And that's not what the kingdom of God is about. When we start giving to get, we are giving to get so that the kingdom can be financed. So if you've been believing for the abundant harvest in your life, then this is your year. Psalm 65, 11 to 13 says, you crown the year with your bounty and your carts overflow with abundance. The grasslands of the wilderness overflow. The hills are clothed with gladness. The meadows are covered with flocks and the valleys are mantled with grain. They shout for joy and sing. So what is a harvest? You know, we talk about harvest. We've talked about harvest for years. And and yet sometimes I think we forget what a harvest is. What is a harvest? Quite simply, a harvest is nothing more than the result of something that individuals or nations have sown, whether good or bad. 
For example, an individual walking in unforgiveness can reap a harvest and can't understand why everybody's against them because you've been walking in unforgiveness. A nation that chooses to vote against Israel is setting up a harvest. Sowing bad seed. Now we sow bad seed in our own lives and we can sow off and we think, well, the, why, what's happening here? Why is all this stuff happening? You've been sowing the seed. You know, I hear people complain about different things that come down and yet you can trace it right back to what they have sown themselves. Gets good seed in the ground. Obeying the word of God, living by faith, is sowing good seed. So if you haven't been sowing toward your harvest, then it's not too late. If you're ready to get blessed beyond measure in 2019, then start today. And I'm going to give you three different steps that you can use to reap in the year of abundant harvest. The first one is get a vision of your harvest. Leviticus 26.10 says, You will still be eating last year's harvest when you will have to move it out to make room for the new. In other words, that's a more than enough concept. You're still going to be eating from what you raised last year, and your new harvest is ready, and you're going to have to move the old stuff out so you can put the new stuff in. That's called more than enough. That's called blessed beyond my needs. Now, you might like the idea of an abundant harvest, but until you get a vision in your spirit of your own harvest, until you start seeing it with your spiritual eyes, it's going to remain just that. It's going to be a nice idea. So you need to start getting the vision. So what's the difference between wanting a harvest and seeing it in, its, in the spirit? You know, everybody you say, do you want a harvest? Of course I want a harvest. Do you want an abundant harvest? Of course I want an abundant harvest. <clears throat> do you want an abundant harvest on what you've been sowing? See, some people are going to say, no, I don't really want that. Why? Because I've been nasty to everybody I meet. I've been a jerk. Do you want an abundant harvest of what you've been sowing? Then you best start sowing the right thing because it's the year of abundant harvest. What is the difference between wanting the harvest? If you want a harvest, everybody says, oh, yeah, yeah, I want the harvest, I want the harvest, I want the harvest. What's the difference between wanting it and seeing it? The answer is expectancy. You start expecting it when you see it in your spirit. You start having this sense of expectancy inside of you that even when you're not thinking about it, there's a thought that something good is going to be happening to me today. You know, when I grew up, there's this cartoon strip called Charlie Brown. Most of you are probably familiar with it. And there was a, what was it, pig pen that always had the little black cloud over him? Was always expecting everything to go bad? Was that Linus or pig pen? Linus? Somebody who was walking around all the time knowing that all the bad things were going to happen to them. And that's how a lot of Christians walk through life. Oh, it's going to be a horrible day. Everybody's going to hate me. I'm a Christian. They're all going to make fun of me. They're going to this and they're going to... You got the wrong attitude. Start expecting the blessing of the Lord upon your life. I have favor with God and man. No matter where I go, people try to bless me. And yes, it happens that way. I know that one week I just shared three different things that happened in that one week and I went to the drugstore to pick up a prescription and all of a sudden the person behind me said, well, I'm going to pay that for you. And I'm looking at him saying, huh? The druggist is looking at him going, huh? Well, I'm going to pay that. And the druggist says, well, I can't show you. I don't care the records. I just want to pay it. 
You ever go drug shopping? Legal even? <laughs> They're not cheap. And I said, well, no, that's fine. I got money. I, I'm, no, 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 I'm paying it. Cut back to the car. So that's strange. Why? It was the year of unusual favor. Had a client coming to get their hair cut. They're getting their hair cut. And all of a sudden, hey, Ben, I got something for you. I says, what? They started bringing me a chunk of silver that they had. And I'm going, it's not a coin. It's just a chunk of silver. 925, silver. But the scripture I've been meditating upon was that even the heathen are going to bring their silver and their gold into your house. <laughs> we serve a living God. But we've got to start getting the expectancy of it. I have favor with God and man. I expect to see favor when I go somewhere. I expect people to want to make room and want to make way and want to open doors that nobody else could open. I expect because the people I know, a lot of them can open doors that other people can't open. They can make openings for me where there was no opening. And I, and I meet them and all of a sudden they start talking and say, well, this and this and this is what they want to do. And I say, okay, great, go for it. But you've got to start expecting it. You start seeing a harvest. You know, we prayed for Glenn this morning for cancer. People say, well, well, does that ever work? My grandmother had terminal brain cancer. Was given less than a year to live and they couldn't operate because of where the tumor was located. She came home and she says, okay, God, what do I do now? I don't think my time is up yet. So I sent her to a faith healer, Don Gossett, in B.C. She bought herself a ticket from Winnipeg on the train, went out to see Don Gossett, walked up in the service, and he says, well, Grandma, now, Grandma, most of you have a vision of Grandma when I say Grandma. The kerchief, the hairnet, the boots. That was my Grandma. The black apron over top. Well, Grandma, what's God going to do for you today? She's going to heal cancer. Okay, he laid hands on her, prayed for her. She turned around, she went home. Got back on the train, said, well, if God could heal cancer, he could heal high blood pressure too. So I'm going to start eating salt again. <laughs> Grandma liked a slice of bread with butter almost as thick as the bread. And then salts that were crunched when you bit into it. <laughs> a year after she was told she had less than a year left to live, the doctor called her in. She went to the office and they did some. They said, This is strange. There's no tumor. No, it's just not strange at all. So I went and got prayed for. That was 50 some years ago. God was in the healing business then. He's still in the healing business. He hasn't changed. 17 years later, when grandmother went home, she went home. She was sitting there visiting with my mother, my other grandmother, and my aunt. And all of a sudden, she looks up, and in German, she says, well, girls, it's been nice to see you again, closes her eyes and falls off the chair. <laughs> oh. She went home now. Her body was no longer, her spirit no longer needed her body. The interesting thing was she told me at Christmas time that this was going to be happening in harvest time. And I was home for Christmas. I said, well, Grandma, I'll see you next year. She said, no, you won't. I wasn't a Christian then yet. She said, no, you won't. And I said, oh, yeah, I said, I'll be coming out next year. I'll see you then. She says, no, I'm going home this fall or this harvest, this host. 
this harvest season, I'm going home. So I thought, okay, Grandma's losing it, you know, when you get to a certain age. And I said, Grandma, you are home. And she looked at me, and she says, I mean home. Oh, so not being a Christian and not being terribly full of faith, I says, oh, Grandma, you'll probably outlive me. <laughs> when you're 20 years old, that's a dumb thing to be saying <laughs> to a lady that's 90. <laughs> I, she didn't. She went home, come harvest. She expected what are you expecting? What does your harvest look like? What are you expecting? Get a vision of your harvest. Oral Roberts used to say miracles are coming towards you and they're passing by you every day. They're passing right on by because nobody's grabbing them. In other words, if you're not expecting a miracle, you're not going to reach out with a hand of faith and receive it. And that's why the devil works overtime to try and keep your mind focused on the past and your present trials statistics or somebody else's failure in the same area. You ever heard when somebody says, well, we're believing for healing. Oh, well, I had an aunt and she believed for healing and she died. And I had another aunt and she had an aunt and who was twice removed from her sister's aunt. And she, and you go like, who cares? Who cares if it didn't work for anybody else? The word of God works for me. I know the word of God is true and the word of God cannot fail. I feel like those three Hebrew boys that got thrown into the fire. If you don't bow down to our idols, you're going to burn. And they turned back to the king and they said, Nevertheless, our God is able to deliver us. And if he chooses not to, we still aren't going to worship you. And then they did a stupid thing. They refused to burn. The king's soldiers ended up dying because it was so hot. He finally called them out of there because I guess nobody could go in and get them. So they come back out. They don't even smell like smoke. And he says, okay, these guys, their God, that's the one we should be listening to. What happens? What happens when you start teaching and seeing that the Word of God works and people start turning around and say, how is this possible? It is God. So the devil will keep working overtime, trying to keep you focused on your past and your present trials, what's going on, the statistics of somebody else's failure. He does that to keep you from doing the most important thing that you can do, which is get a vision of your harvest. Why does he care? Because a miracle is going to settle the issue. It brings your harvest in. What does it look like to you if you get your harvest? What does it look like to you, Glenn, when you're going to be healed and walking back and, and working and supplying your family? What's it going to look like when you get out on your bike and you get to run down the road there at 100 kilometers an hour again because you wouldn't break the speed limits? <laughs> what is that going to look like? To see your boy grow up and, you, and maybe, maybe be at his wedding and walk. Yeah. You want a vision of what to expect. What's going to be in the future when his children are bouncing on your knee? 
You want a vision. What's, what's the vision going to be when we start seeing? When you start seeing, you know, because you've been serving the Lord and, and your son is going to start serving the Lord and your grandchildren are going to start telling you about the stuff they're learning in Sunday school. What does that look like to you? You start building that future and saying, hey, this is where it is. You start expecting it. You start seeing it. Yeah, you're going through a bit of crap right now. But that's not the end. We're going through, and there's a reason it's called going through, because it comes to an end when you're through. I've said this before. When you're going through hell, keep going. Don't set up your tent in that place. Why does he care? Because a miracle settles the issue. Grandma didn't argue with anybody. Grandma never bothered. She didn't even go back to the doctor. The doctors finally called her and said, why aren't you dead yet? I don't know if you use exactly that terminology. Grandma's English wasn't so good. (laughs) (laughs) So they went back in and they did the tests and they said, the cancer's gone. Yeah, the cancer's gone. And she said, I have a God that heals. Once the miracle takes place, it doesn't matter what they think or what they say. It doesn't matter what anybody's opinion is. Your miracle brings your harvest. Now, if, you haven't been, if you've been living in the land of not enough, it might be a challenge for you to get to that true vision of your harvest. If you've been living in lack and you've been fighting disease and you've been this, it can be hard to get to that place where you can start picturing your harvest. So start to renew your mind with God's will for you to live the abundant life. You know, we prayed scripture over Glenn this morning. The scripture says, you will live and not die and declare the glories of your God. That's scripture. The sound of joyful shouting is in the dwellings of the righteous. Scripture. You start praying scripture and filling your mind with scripture and saying, this is what's coming in my future. So you renew your mind. You start living that abundant life. You study the scriptures. You spend time in prayer. Ask the Lord to help you get the vision of what he has for you deep into your spirit where nothing can touch it. The word of the Lord to Kenneth Copeland was that you can expect an abundant harvest and he felt this is something you need to share with the body of Christ. Well, why do I trust what he is saying? Because he was the only prophet that I heard a number of years ago when he stood up and he prophesied and he said, communism is defeated. The Berlin Wall will be coming down. That was before it came down. The Cold War had been going on forever. That wall had been a symbol of the... And yet he began to prophesy that wall is coming down. It was within the year, I believe, that all of a sudden they were showing pictures on the newscast where they were coming across against this wall and ripping chunks of this wall out and walking through the holes that they had made. That was powerful. I know when he said that word, I said, man, I hope this guy is accurate because if he's not... See, an abundant harvest might be described in agricultural terms as a bumper crop. Every farmer wants a bumper crop. A bumper crop is a crop that has yielded unusually productive harvest. 
When you reap an abundant harvest, you will have more than enough. You will have overflow, blessing on top of blessing. When you have a bumper crop, you can see out in the fields, they have tarps spread down on the fields, and they're just pouring the grain onto the tarps. They don't want it laying on the ground, but they don't have room in their bins anymore. Their barns are full and overflowing. They've had a bumper crop. That's what God wants for you this year. No lack, nothing missing, all desires filled, and then some. Leviticus 26, 3 to 5. The translated living describes an abundant harvest. If you obey all my commandments, I will give you regular rains. The land will yield bumper crops, and the trees will be loaded with fruit long after the normal time. Grapes will still be ripening when sowing time comes again. You shall eat your fill. And live safely in the land. Is that the kind of harvest you would like to see this year? That's God's plan for you. Psalm 115, verse 14. May the Lord give you increase more and more, you and your children. God wants to increase you and your children more and more. Now, it might not look like it's even possible in your world right now. Have a harvest in your health, finances, or life. Or family. But remember, the law of the Spirit supersedes the laws of the normal or the natural. It doesn't have to look possible or even be possible. The favor of God will propel you further and faster than you could ever imagine. That's what happened in Genesis 26. Verse 1 says there was a famine in the land. There certainly wasn't any end in sight, but right in the middle of that famine, God came and he blessed Abraham mightily with a blessing that we are still heirs of today. Right in the middle of a hopeless situation, God showed up and gave him a vision of abundant harvest, and the man got richer by the day, verse 13 in the message. Are you facing a famine in your health, your finances, your family? Whatever it is, it's no match for God. He will cause the rain to come down on you, Joel 2.23. Take the time to get rid of fear, to get rid of the doubt and the what-ifs. Take the time to renew your mind to the Lord of the harvest and get a vision of the abundant harvest that He is waiting to rain down on you now. Step one. Step two. Be qualified to receive your harvest. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Now, once you have a vision of your harvest in your spirit, it's time to make sure you're qualified to receive it. Now, some believers will think a harvest will never come, and others believe it will just fall into their laps, but neither one is true. It doesn't just come, it doesn't just fall into your laps, but it does come. But remember, you reap what you sow. God is not mocked. You reap what you sow. What are you sowing for? In Leviticus 26, when God speaks of your land yielding bumper crops, he begins with a qualifier. If you obey all my commandments, verse 3. Now many Christians fail to realize that God's love is unconditional, but his promises are not. If you want to reap a harvest, you have a part to play. And it's more than just being saved and believing that God wants to bless you. In Genesis 41, Joseph had God's blessing and favor all over him. Though he had been a slave and sent to prison, he ended up being promoted to the throne because he remained faithful to God and obedient to his commands. 
And that's an important aspect, the partaking of the year of abundant harvest, being qualified to receive it. For the faithful, there will be quick and accelerated promotions. To qualify, you're going to have to walk in a position of servanthood, discipline, diligence, respect, honor, and love. That's simple. To qualify, you're going to have to walk in a position of servanthood, discipline, diligence, respect, honor, and love. To qualify, you need to obey his commandments. Now, a lot of times you say, well, I tithe, so I qualify for financial harvest. And tithing is certainly a prerequisite for financial blessing. But so is honesty. Are there areas where you tend to exaggerate or leave out certain details? Think about your love walk. You may think you're covered because you're generally nice to people, but are you critical in your heart? See, in the New Covenant, Dad, our Dad, Father isn't just looking at what you're doing. <laughs> in the New Covenant, Father is looking to see what's going on in your heart. You know, people can make the right actions, but their hearts are still full of critics, criticism and fault-finding and backbiting. You tend to judge others more harshly than you ought. Allow Holy Spirit to point out the little places in your life that need to be corrected. Refuse to be the kind of person who will not allow him or others to exhort you and get you on the right track, the one that leads to your harvest. The word of the Lord through Kenneth Copeland also included several specific instructions to qualifying for receiving the harvest. So take time to meditate and put onto practice the things that he is calling his people to act upon. A higher order of prayer. There has to be a higher order of prayer coming forth out of the family. Intercession, petition, supplication for the lost. Calling things that be not as though they were. 2019 can be a great year of great intercession and witnessing outside the walls of the church building. See, the church is not the church just because we get together here on Sunday morning. We're called to be the church out there on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning. Let people see that Jesus is different. Walk by faith. God is going to require you to get healed on your own faith. Now, most of the people in the ministry, most of them got healed in their own faith. Now, yes, you can come to somebody, you can get prayed for, and God will heal you, but he expects you to walk in it. And as you grow and mature in the Lord, he expects you to build your faith so that it starts coming through on your life. Miracles under your own hands. People have no idea about God or anything about his word. But then they'll come running to those that will spend their time in intercessory prayer. Now, I'm not talking about hours and hours. We're talking about minutes a day. We took that um, course by Peter Scazzaro, and he mentioned, you know, checking into the holy place seven times a day, consciously saying, okay, Father, I'm here. What should I do today? What should I do now? What's my next step? Just checking in. Not mean you've got to spend the next 24 hours on prayer and fasting. It just means you check in regularly. <clears throat> just part of the morning, part of the evening. Pray in the Spirit, intercede for the lost. God says he will see to it that 2019 is the most startling year of your life. 
your body will be renewed. God will see to it that your body begins to renew and your youth begins to renew. All of a sudden, the aches and the pains that have been there for years will disappear. And when you get out and begin to minister to those that have never heard about him before. Why? Because you're focused on somebody else's job, not your life. So don't waste any more time. Get qualified to receive your harvest. If you don't think you have any attitudes or behaviors to correct, then think again. (laughs) Revisit that concept. I know we're all perfect in Christ, but you know, we've all got some stuff we can work on. The Lord is going to be working to perfect us until He returns. So refuse to close your heart to correction or to rebuke. Allow God to work in your life and have a heart that is sensitive to His voice and the humility that heeds the voices of those around you. The one that God is going to use to help you on your way. See, so many times we think, well, we... We think we've already arrived at this huge spiritual point and, and all of a sudden somebody says something, say, oh no, 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 I don't have to hear that. I don't have to. And you just cut off the voice of God. Open yourself up. Hear what is being said. Be humble. It takes work. Now if you have a garden that's always got the huge impressive vegetables, you know the constant tending that takes that garden takes. You put your seeds in and you start pulling weeds and you start watering and fertilizing. You might need to put a fence around it to protect your crops from the rabbits that want to eat it. It can be hard work to get your garden to go, but, and it's work that's involved. You need to invest in the seeds that you have sown so you get an abundant harvest. Well, 2019 is the year of abundant harvest. Tend to the seeds you've sown. Put in the work. Make sure you're qualified to receive your harvest when it comes God's way. And that's where it comes down to saying, okay, God, what is your way? What do you want, Father? What are you saying? What does the Word teach me? Not what would I like it to say. See, too many people want to take the Word and make it say what they would like it to say rather than take the Word and say, what does the Word say? When Pastor Jerry and I were first married and uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland were actually big influences in our life and, and we heard them make the comment. They said they had chosen to believe the word in spite of what their circumstances said. We said, well, that's what we want to do. We want to believe what the word says, not what circumstances tell us, not what lack tells us, not what abundance tells us. What does the word of God say? And that will become the ultimate decision. There was stuff that we couldn't do because the Word said no. There was stuff that we did without wanting to because the Word said do it. Many times it seems like, man, this doesn't even make sense. And yet somehow or other, when it's God's Word, it makes sense. But you have to be in God's word because the wisdom of the word is, of this world is foolishness to God. God says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your ways. But he says that we have the mind of Christ so we can learn his thoughts so we can learn his ways. But it doesn't come naturally. You don't start thinking like God until you start spending time reading and, dis- and finding out how he thinks. You ever notice two people live together for a while and they start sounding alike? Why? They start thinking the same way. 
I've even noticed sometimes people have dogs that they look alike. (laughs) They're living together. They're rubbing off on each other, so to speak. When you start living with God and start spending with God, all of a sudden you start finding out what His Word says. And it doesn't always make sense. When God first, you know, we found that piece about tithing. Wow. God, we can't afford it. We got kids. We got house payments. Our heating bill and our house payment just about takes my check every month. So, well, God, either you're true or you're not true. talked about that just yesterday or today 90 cent dollars at work again because miracles still happen on a daily basis 90 cent dollars will stretch an awful lot further than your 100 cent dollars will we bought a house with no money except we paid rent on it for a couple of years and they took every single penny that we had put on rent and put it as down payment on the house We didn't pay rent every month because we used a lot of our money to renovate the house. And they let us take all the renovations off because I was doing a good job on fixing it. And then at the end of the they took our renovations off the price of the house yet too. Bought a hair shop with no money. The lady phones, says, do you want to buy it? I said, yep. But I got no money. But we kept praying about it. And she, I said, Second, third, second time she phoned, I says to Pastor Jerry, I says, next time she calls, I can say yes. Now's the day. So she phoned a month or so later, says, do you want to buy it? I said, yep. Let's sit down and talk. I said, okay, we talked. I said, we got no money. Okay. Ended up buying a shop. Supported our family for years. Well, it doesn't make sense. It makes sense if you're living on God's principles. It doesn't make sense if you're rejecting God's principles. <laughs> I've shared stories over the years, different things and how they all happened. And, and when you're following God's principles, says, God, whatever your word says, that is going to be the ultimate authority. Now it's either going to change me or I'm going to be... But your word is going to become the authority, Father. We ended up with two cars. We didn't need two cars. We couldn't even afford to run one car hardly, it seemed like. So what do we do? What's the scripture say? We have two coats, give one to your brother. (laughs) Okay. Give a car away. Twice. Why? Because you wanted to get the kingdom flow. See, the world flow says you work as hard as you can, you can all you can, and you sit on the can. God's thing says you work 
as hard as you can so you can have something to give. So you get into kingdom flow. You get into God's flow. And you start saying, okay, did we ever miss those cars? Now they're one of them. To this day, I've never missed them. I used to laugh. I said, my Ford Pinto grew into a Lincoln because the Ford Pinto was one of our cars that gave away. But what happens when the seed grows up? <laughs> What is it you're looking for? What is your harvest looking for? Find out what the seed is. What's the smallest denominator of the harvest that you're seeking for from God? That's the seed. You know, seed carries within it the life to produce. When Jesus talked with the kingdom of heaven, he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a seed. You know, man goes out to sow. He throws seed around. And that's the kingdom of heaven is like that. Paul writes to the church, and he says, God gives seed to the sower. If you're a sower, you already have seed. If you're not a sower, no amount of seed is ever going to solve you. You're just going to eat it. (laughs) Freebies. So make sure you're qualified to receive your harvest when it comes. And number three, actively reap your harvest. Behold, I will make you into a new threshing sledge with sharp teeth. Isaiah 41, 15. I read it in two different versions before. Now, reaping the harvest is certainly, this is the desired end result. It's getting from the amen to the there it is. And it's what every one of us should be wanting in our hearts. The problem is many believers won't use their faith to actively reap the harvest. They've gotten stuck instead in the seed sowing parts. They say, I keep sowing and sowing and sowing, but nothing is happening. Why then aren't all of us producing bumper crops every season? Because we're sitting around waiting for God to do the work. It's amazing how many people think, well, I sowed seed, that's all I have to do. I'm done. Once again, go talk to the farmers. They'll give you a lot of wisdom. If you don't want to talk to them, just go watch some farmer's field. Watch how often they're on that field. See, first of all, they get in there and they uh, get that whole thing worked up so they can put the seed in. Then shortly after the seed starts sprouting, they're going to be spraying something on it, maybe a couple of times, keep the bugs down. They're going to be spraying for weeds to kind of get the weeds out of there so the weeds won't. They're working on that field almost all year. Then the time comes, they're out on the field, and they're starting to check and say, oh yeah, okay, it's turning color, it's starting to get ripe, it's still a little wet here, don't this and that, and they start watching until exactly the right time, and then they put every single person they can get onto that field to get every piece of crop off of that field before it rains. If you're on a farm and it's harvest season, you might be working until 5 in the morning because that's when it gets so tough that the crop can't come off anymore. So now you go in and you sleep for an hour or two until the sun comes back up and then you get yourself out of bed and you get back on the tractor and you go harvest. Why? Because it's harvest time. Oh, no, 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 I don't want to work. I'm just waiting for the harvest to come in. That crop isn't jumping into the bins by itself. It's work. And I don't really care what is it is. Anything where there's a harvest season, there's work involved. 
when we had the shop for years, I used to tell the staff, it's Christmas time, it's harvest. At the beginning of the season, I'd go talk to how many extra days do you want to work over this season? Not do you want to, how many? And sometimes they say, well, you know, I got a little kid at home I can't do. I'll put a few extra evenings or whatever with my husband. Great, we got it booked. Just tell me how much extra you want to work. We used to go down to the White Mud River in spring and we'd be fishing. If you've never been there, it's something you should go watch at least once a year. Once a year. Because the fish start running upstream and they get to the little dam by White Mud and they can't seem to get over it. And you can go down in the water and you can catch your fish with your bare hands and just throw them out. But you know, while you're there, you're not sitting around waiting for coffee to be served. Why? It's harvest time now. You're working. When you're out on the field bringing the harvest in, you don't necessarily take a break at 12 o'clock and shut all the machinery down and get in the half ton and drive back to the farm and sit down to a nice hot lunch and then maybe take a little bit of a nap. So no, no, no. Your wife is out there with the half ton at the end of the field so you can stop for five minutes and wolf something down and get back. It's harvest. And somehow or other, we, in the Christian world, we seem to think that, well, harvest should be easy. All I have to do is sit and wait for it to come in. Because I sowed. Of course you sowed. But well, what is harvest then? Harvest might be the extra hours your boss wants to give you if you're looking for finances. You've been praying and asking God for more finances, and your boss comes up and says, you know, for the next three weeks, I'm going to need somebody to put in some few extra hours. Do you want them? Oh, no, that would interfere with my life. You just said no to your harvest. Can you take this extra? No, 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 no. I'm waiting for a harvest. It's your harvest. That's your harvest. Your harvest could be that missed lunch hour that you're taking a little bit extra work in because rather than eat, you can go ahead and make a little bit extra money. It's harvest time. The Hebrew cross-reference to the word teeth in your mouth is the thrashing instrument, cutting down the harvest and bringing it in. When you call those things which be not as though they were, your mouth is out in the field bringing in the harvest. Well, I've been sowing and sowing and sowing and nothing ever changes. We never seem to get ahead as we're getting behind her. And, you know, we, and we write those little bumper stickers, the harder I work, the behind her I get. And we can't figure out why we're never getting ahead. Because your mouth is working against you. But when you have the vision that God is opening the windows of heaven and He is pouring out blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it, your mouth starts working with you. You know, some people break a fingernail and by the next week you're convinced they're going to have some deadly ailment because they broke a fingernail. They talk themselves right into it. Oh no, I lost an eyelash. Maybe I have alopecia. Probably. Oh, it looks like I might have a little rash on my finger. Maybe my hand will fall off. 
Really? That's the harvest you want? You sat on it wrong. I can, you're like, no, 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 it's something serious. Some people can make a mountain out of the smallest molehill. What are you harvesting? What are you reaping? What is your mouth doing? It's bringing in a harvest. And whether you like the harvest or not, your mouth is bringing in the harvest of what you've been sowing. See, once you've sown the seed, that's where the real work starts. God isn't reaping your harvest for you. Did we read where it says, He has given you the power to get wealth? Now what is that power? It could be a skill that you have. It could be physical labor that you're capable of doing. It could be whatever, but he has given you the power. It might be that your garden is doing so well that you're going down to the farmer market and selling vegetables once a week and making money that way. He's given you the power to get wealth, but that doesn't mean that he said he was just dropping it on you. What can you do? You start doing what takes. As Pastor Jerry mentioned this morning when we were praying, he says, you know, whatever you can do, whatever decision you can make, follow it. If the doctors give you a course, go with it. But that doesn't mean you're locked into that. Update. I'm still insulin free. <laughs> Months later. Why? Because there was something I could do to bring that harvest in. Was it comfortable? No. I like ice cream every day. Three times a day. At least. But you learn that, no, you don't have it every day. You might have it once every couple of weeks. And you just start recognizing there's things I can do to change some of this. So when you bring your tithes and your offerings to the altar, you pray over your giving. Make a powerful declaration of faith. We don't just come and drop money in. It's like, Father, we're taking this now, and we are sowing this. And we need to do that every time we release an offering. You bring it to the front. Father, we are releasing this by faith. We are believing that you are causing the windows of heaven to be opened. And pray over your offering. You know, I've often seen many places, you've seen couples, they'll sit there, they'll hold their offering, and they pray together, and they drop it in the bucket together. Hallelujah! Why? Because God is going to move on that. Call in your harvest. Command your harvest to come to you. Send out harvesting angels to gather it and bring it to you. What kind of harvest are you looking for? Are you speaking and expecting to get sick, to age, to become less and less healthy, to strong? You know, I hear some people talk. I have people down more and more trying to put that on me. Oh, well, you're going to be slowing down. Why would I slow down? Well, you're going to find that you're just not capable of that all anymore. Why not? My God says I go from glory to glory. He says my strength is renewed as that of the eagles. Yeah, there's stuff I choose not to do. But there's stuff that I'm never going to stop. 
You know, people have asked me, well, when are you going to quit? How do you retire from being a minister? Nobody can tell me that. See, I'm going to quit being in the ministry, so now I can do what? I start kind of hanging out at the bars now? Because I'm retired? Practice swearing now so that I can do it properly? Like, what, what do I do when I... Like, how do you retire from being a minister? I can't figure that out either. Like, what can I do now to say, okay, I'm retired now? Quit caring about people? Oh, no, I can't pray for you. Sorry, I'm retired. (laughs) I can't tell you about Jesus. No, 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 I'm retired. How do you retire? You don't retire. My jobs may shift. The, oper- the things may shift a little bit, but I can't see me retiring ever. So are you speak- speaking and expecting to get sick and to age and to become less healthy and less strong, or are you speaking words of healing, life, and blessing? We've mentioned this before. Pastor Jerry and I pray over ourselves almost constantly, if not daily. That our bodies shall outlast our spirit's need for them. Our body and our minds will outlast our spirit's need for them. Why? Well, when my spirit leaves this body, maybe somebody can still use parts of it. Now that they're all so well conditioned and everything. <laughs> like, who would not want a piece of this? <laughs> Once the spirit is gone, (laughs) I don't need the body anymore. But until that point, this body is the only vehicle my spirit has to get around in. So we keep praying and confessing that our body and our minds will outlast our spirit's need for them. Although I have set a goal for myself. I want to see my great, great, great grandchildren. I'm halfway there. (laughs) Why not? It's doable. So once that day has come, then maybe we'll start thinking about when we want out of here. So we're only at great-grandchildren yet. But hey, they're already halfway through school, it feels like. <laughs> See what happens. But what are you looking for? Every time you open your mouth, you're sowing seeds. So we reap our harvest with words of praise. Psalm 67, 5 and 6. Praise yields a harvest. In fact, Jerry Seville made the comment, the depth of your praise will determine the magnitude of your harvest. The more you praise, thank, and glorify God, the bigger your harvest will be. You are now watering, fertilizing, and feeding that seed to help it grow. So don't just sit back and wait for your harvest to fall into your lap. Get a vision. Get qualified and then get to work reaping the harvest. 
Your days of famine are over. 2019 is the year of abundant harvest. It is time to join your fellow believers in the field and to reap your harvest. If you agree with that message this morning, then let's stand up and just give thanks to God. Praise you. Father, we just want to thank you, even right now, that you are the God that brings abundant harvest into our lives. We thank you, Father, that 2019 is the year of the abundant harvest and that you are teaching us, training us, making our hands ready that we can reap that harvest and that we will have the wisdom to know what to do with it. I ask, Father, that we would not be people that just want to spend it on our own for our own selfish gratifications, but that we would be here with the vision of your kingdom and those that are lost in our hearts, that we might reach out and help others to enter into your kingdom. Father, I pray this morning for an abundance of health upon each member here this morning. I pray for an abundance of prosperity upon each one. I pray, Father, that families that have been destroyed will be reunited and put back together, that the errant will come home in Jesus' name. Father, we break every spiritual force that would try to cause people, to cause family to walk away from your word and from your truth. And Father, we, come them, we call them back to a place of unity, to a place of construction. In Jesus' name, amen.